Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, fans and others. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs, and uh, we're very proud of that. We're in our fourth year, and we're also pretty proud of that. Can you believe it? It's only 16 days to Christmas, 16 short days, and they just whistle by, don't they? So I hope you've all done your Christmas shopping. I think in the U.S., it looks like 2015 is going to be a fantastic year, not only for entrepreneurs, but for business generally. And unfortunately, while the US is booming, partly because gasoline's down to below $3 a gallon, which is putting billions of dollars every week into the consumer-driven economy, much of the rest of the world's finding it pretty tough, and predictions for 2015 are not so rosy. But here in the U.S., it's looking good. Now, as you know, this program's all about helping entrepreneurs to become more successful. So if you're a person that would love to be an entrepreneur, love to be your own boss, but you're not quite game enough to leave your current job, well, if you've got an idea that you think would make people's lives better, and you're prepared to be fully committed and work your butt off like you've never worked before, then I urge you to go out and give it a go. And it doesn't matter whether you've got a wonderful new high-tech idea or whether it's always been your passion to have your own dry cleaning business. It's so much more satisfying to see your idea take shape than it is to work for somebody else. So go out and give it a go. Don't risk the farm. Don't bet everything you've got on it. But give it a shot. Because if you don't, you're always going to regret it. And this week, I'm back in my hometown of Los Angeles. Seems like about a month since I've been here. I broadcast the show last week from the launch of CQS International Kisaguru Business Brazil insurance company at the wonderful Boca Raton Beach Club, which is a Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Boca Raton, Florida. It is very nice, really good. And it was a spectacular event. And those of you who know me know that I am passionate about spectacular shirts. And I found a really wonderful clothing store in South Beach in Florida. It's um, probably the best store I've ever been into and it's called You Rock Couture and it is amazing. I really like Florida. I know it's supposed to be where all the oldies go to die (laughs) but um, we had a great time in South Beach and also at Delray Beach which is also very cool, full of terrific restaurants, entertainment Caught an outdoor, free outdoor show in Delray, which was just brilliant. Just brilliant. And uh, 
unfortunately, didn't get a chance to get up to Orlando to go to Epcot Centre, but I definitely will next time. Now, most of us can remember when traditional advertising was king. Everybody used television, radio or print, and uh, we used to talk initially about the fact that 50% of it of our advertising was wasted. There was an old joke, we know that half our advertising is wasted, we just don't know which half. And then that number slowly crept up and up and up, and then the study that was reported in Time magazine that said 95% of all traditional advertising doesn't work. So then digital came along. A whole range of new options to advertise and reach your customers. Not only reach them, instead of monologue, I yelling at them all the time with no response. All of a sudden, we could have dialogue with our customers. It was great. It was the solution to delivering advertising to potential customers anywhere, anytime at their convenience. Brilliant. Well, Google's just admitted that more than half of the ads it serves up are never seen by anyone, not anyone, not one person. Seven billion people in the world, nobody sees it. Now, online ad viewability is a hot topic in advertising right now. As advertisers are becoming more and more aware, and they're also becoming concerned that many of the ads they buy online are never actually seen by anyone. Advertisers are also shifting to pay for ads, you know, just pay pay per click or whatever, pay for ads that have been viewed, actually been seen, as opposed to those that are just being served. That's why Google's released a study analysing its display ad platforms using its active view technology such as, you know, double click, to explore which factors affect ad viewability. Google wants to show the market it is taking issues seriously. Well, when 56% of people don't get to see an ad at all, a particular ad at all, then they should take the issue seriously, don't you reckon? They make a fortune. They'll earn $55 billion in ad revenue this year. And a substantial chunk of that is for ads that nobody gets to see. Nobody. But you've got, to give, you've got to give them points for um, actually being responsible enough to admit that even its own platforms don't deliver all of the time. So the results are staggering, aren't they? If, if you think about it, advertisers are potentially throwing at least 50% of their budgets away every time they pay for display ads on digital. Some 56.1% of all impressions served on the Google display platforms have never actually been seen. So when the world's largest digital display advertising company puts out numbers this large, and that's without even mentioning bot-related ad fraud, the industry should and probably will be jolted into sitting up and taking notice of this 
massive problem. That's probably worth noting that many of these impressions are sold on a cost per click basis, so not all the ads that are served and go unseen are being paid for, but even still, around one in every two ads that are served are being wasted inside lo in locations outside of the browser window. So there's absolutely no chance that people could see them. And digital, um, digital companies promote that their properties are superior to traditional media like TV, radio and print due to their sophisticated targeting and measurement products. But just as TV viewers are likely to check their phones, go to the bathroom, put the kids to bed or put the kettle on during a commercial break, it turns out legions of people, hundreds of millions, never get to see the ads that are served to them online. Often they're not even given the option to see most of them. Pretty scary stuff, isn't it? I went and I paid for an ad and... Out of 7 billion people in the world, all of them using digital, or nearly all of them, uh, nobody saw my ad. Hmm. So what are the reasons that make so many ads unviewable? Firstly, page position really matters. Google says the most viewable ad position is right above the, the page fold. Now, the page fold is the lowest point on the page before it has to scroll. Now, most people, I think, think that right at the top of the page is the best spot. Uh -uh. Google also caveats this by saying above the fold is not always viewable, but that's the most likely place that somebody will see your ad. Well, that's reinsuring, isn't it? If you put it at the top, nobody's going to watch it. You put it at the bottom, which is where they recommend you put it, well, it's still only possible that people will get to see your ad. <laughs> Why can't I sell stuff like this? Secondly, size matters when it comes to display ads also. Unsurprisingly, vertical ads garner the highest viewability rates. This is likely because they stay on the page. As a, as a user scrolls, they stay on the page longer. So... I presume that's the reason. I can't think of another reason. Thirdly, viewability also varies across different content verticals. The sites associated with the most captive engagement levels, reference, online communities, games, etc., have far higher viewability scores than content about food, drink, news, real estate, stuff like that. So if you want to run ads so that your customers can have a great time, eh, they'll notice it. If you want to run ads that tell people about your product, <laughs> chances are nobody's going to take any notice. Now, Google's hoping that uh, this research should help advertisers better understand high and low value inventory, fair enough, and then shift their budgets and targets accordingly. And on the publisher side, Google advises companies to aim for above 50% viewability rates. Consider which ad sizes are the most effective at different page positions, and you've got to better identify and monetize often disregarded but valuable below-the-fold inventory.
but what about this? Doesn't it raise the question as to why Google didn't set these standards in the first place? It may, it may only be, you know, it's probably only the middleman, they would argue, in the advertiser-publisher relationship, but it nevertheless plays its part in the advertising viewability program too, doesn't it? Surely it is a major obligation to the people from whom it's taking money to ensure that their ads can get seen. Hmm. We'll see what happens. This morning, Portland sued Uber and ordered it to cease local operations. The lawsuit came just three days after the ride-sharing service launched in the city. The city of Portland, Oregon, filed a lawsuit against Uber on Monday, alleging that the ride-sharing service did not conform to its administrative regulations. What that means is that Uber's not paying the government any money, so the government's not going to approve them. Simple. And the lawsuit of the um, city of Portland seeks declaratory relief that Uber is subject to and in violation of the city of Portland's private for hire transportation regulations and administrative rules. Again, it means that uh, Uber is not paying the government any money. Now, I want to know what these... um, private for hire transportation regulations and administrative rules means. When it comes to cabs, the rules aren't that you have to have a clean cab because they're not. The rules are that the inside of the cab has to smell okay because they don't. The rules don't say that the driver must be able to drive because clearly most of the drivers in cabs are fucking useless. Further, they don't, the, these administrative rules don't say that the driver has to speak English because how often do you get in a cab and the driver can't understand you? And the Portland rules don't say that the driver's got to know where the hell they're going because how often do you get in a cab and they don't have a clue? None of that applies to Uber because I use them all the time and they're great. I mean, they're really great. They're on time. They're clean. The drivers are personable. The cars smell good. They're nearly always brand new. The drivers, all the drivers that I have speak English. They are all vetted. You've got their phone number. You've got their name. You've got all the stuff that you don't have with cabs. And yet, Uber's the bad guy. The only difference I can see is that to be a cab driver, you have to pay the government a shed load of money. So I find it unbelievable. You know, the lawsuit comes three days after the launch in um, Nevada was banned. And it was banned in um, New Delhi on Sunday at facing legal issues in Germany and the Netherlands as well. However, as I said, I've used Uber at least half a dozen times just in the last few days. And the cars have been fantastic. The driver's great. It costs about half the 
cost of a cab. They're there in a fraction of a minute. They'll come to anywhere you want to go. They can track you. You can track them. And they speak English and know where the hell they're going. Of course, if you're a government and you want to provide great um, public transport, private transport for your citizens, why the hell would you want to insist that people can speak English and know where the hell they're going? Why is that relevant? You know, we vote for these idiots. There's nobody to blame but ourselves. But Uber's a giant leap forward in personal transportation, and there's no way that short-sighted, self-interested, pressure group-influenced politicians will ever stop it. If you're listening to this program and you haven't yet tried Uber, try it for yourself. It is really terrific. As you can probably tell, I'm a fan. Um, I'm also a fan of entrepreneurs, particularly young entrepreneurs, and this show's all about promoting entrepreneurs. Um, we found three students from MIT who are extraordinary and deserve our recognition. Now, when she was 11 years old, class of 2015 student Barbara Schloss, parents took her to California's Mojave Desert to watch Spaceship One try to make the first privately funded human spaceflight. Ten years later, the aerospace engineering major interned for Virgin Galactic, where as a member of the advanced programs group, she helped develop the liquid propulsion system for a small satellite launch vehicle. Now, bearing in mind she's probably about 18, 19. In June, Virgin Group billionaire Richard Branson used Schloss as the poster child in a LinkedIn influencer post. After graduating, Schloss plans on returning to school for a joint MBA and Masters of Engineering program and will continue chasing her dream of being a rocket scientist. Good on you, girl. Barbara. Now, Connie Liu from the class of 2016 is a researcher in the MIT Media Lab Fluid Interfaces Group, and she designed a wearable device that assists blind people in reading. Finger Reader is a camera-equipped ring that allows the wearer to scan a line of text with their finger and receives audio feedback of the words. Lou, a mechanical engineering major, dreams of starting a high school where students learn through designing solutions to community problems using a user-centric approach. Connie, she's about 20, <laughs> and she's designed a ring that allows blind people to read. And last but not least, Katie Bogner, Bodner, um, which is another class of 2015 student, developed a way to program cells and organisms using genetic circuits, the same way computer scientists program computers using software. Katie, again, no more than 20, in fact less, launched an independent research project to create programmable vaccines. They allow for complete control over the dosage and timing of the vaccine, optimal for treatment of complex diseases 
like HIV. Now, about 20, her research is being used to create vaccination prime boost circuits where a doctor injects a patient with a vaccine and then the patient takes a pill to experience the boost, eliminating the need for booster shots. Wow. So, Katie, well done. Interestingly, Barbara, Connie and Katie, Katie, all doing extraordinary things all fantastic entrepreneurs, all women. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. We're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you have a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or we'll email you directly. Make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter, which is sent out to about mm, 16,000 plus business executives in over 60 countries, and it goes out every month. We're actually going to experiment starting tomorrow with sending out the radio show every week, and we'll see what happens if we get thousands of people contacting us saying, don't send me this crap, we'll probably stop it, but... um, I think it's not a bad bad way for people who don't get to catch up on the show to hear what's going on. You're listening to Voice America Business, and I'll be back after this break with my guest, Ben Baldwin. He's the founder and co-CEO of ClearFit, which is described as the app that fixes hiring. And apart from being the CEO of ClearFit, Ben spends a lot of time mentoring others as a Wall Street Journal startup guru as an American Express Open Forum advisor, and he's membership director of the Entrepreneurs Organization, which encourages entrepreneurs in 38 countries to learn and grow. The guy's not called the startup guru for nothing. This is Bob Pritchard coming at you live from Los Angeles, and I'll be back with Ben, who's a great guy, in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. 
Well, this is a segment of the show where we, we talk to people that are making a real difference in the world of business, and we try to find out what it is that makes them tick and what advice they can give us that'll help us in our business. I mean, we're all about helping entrepreneurs to learn from and emulate the success stories that we bring you. And we want to encourage those who aren't entrepreneurs to get out there and have a go. Yeah, it's one thing to work for somebody, it's something else to be an entrepreneur. It's also one thing to have a great product and create a wonderful business and marketing strategy. But if you don't have the right people, more, more often than not, you're likely to fail. And it's not easy to find the right people that have the right skills and the right personality to complement your business and your current employees. Employee tenure and turnover have not improved in the last 30 years. That's, that's tragic. It's such a crit- critical element of business, and yet when you speak to everyone from startup entrepreneurs to established businesses, they'll all tell you that getting the right employees is an absolute pain in the ass. So securing the right person for the right role, it's tedious, it's tenuous, it's time-consuming, and particularly in the holiday season, it gets very difficult. So it doesn't matter whether you're a big business or a small business, you've got to hire the right people, but how the hell do you do that? In the US economy, two out of every three new jobs is created in the smallest of small businesses, as we've discussed many times before, and more than half of the US workforce is employed by small business. So to drive those businesses, we have to have the right people. Well, there's a solution at hand that I didn't know about until recently, a company called Clearfit. It's got a head office in Toronto in Canada, and it's been used by over 8,000 businesses, including giants such as Salesforce, DHL Express and McDonald's, to address the issue of recruiting new employees. Clearfit, their free trial, takes less than a quarter of the time of job posting than they have partners like Monster.com, which identify candidates. So Clearfit's patented software then uses data analysis to predict employee success five times better than traditional hiring. Then we're going to discuss that because I want to know how that works. The great thing about this is it's all included in the cost of a regular job posting. So you're getting a technological and a psychological look at people you employ or about to employ at the same cost as a regular job posting. My guest today is Ben Baldwin. He's the founder and CEO of Clearfit, and it's described as the app that fixes hiring. Another thing that appeals to me about this guy is that apart from being the CEO of Clearfit, he spends a hell of a lot of his time mentoring others as a Wall Street Journal startup guru, as an American Express Open Forum advisor, as a mentor with extreme startups, which... I think we've heard of before, which primarily funds technology uh, companies with a focus on web or mobile software. He's also membership director of Entrepreneurs Organization, which encourages entrepreneurs in 38 countries around the globe. So we often speak on, on this program about how important it is for entrepreneurs to give back. And uh, I think more and more are, but um, it's one of the most admirable admirable um, attributes of an entrepreneur. He also has a host of articles published in the Wall Street Journal and other publications. 
He's not called the startup guru without reason. He's really in tune with not only the employment scene, but he's also an absolute expert on entrepreneurs and startups. This program's about assisting entrepreneurs, so I can't think of a more appropriate guest to have on the show. Hi, mate. How are you? Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Great. Thanks, Bob. It's uh, it's it's great to be here, and thanks for such a nice intro. That was, uh, that was great. What led you into creating ClearFit? I mean, most college grads are trying to determine the best way of using career advisors to get a job, not sort of sitting there thinking about, hmm, how can I develop a technology solution to improve them? Um, how did that come about? Have you got a family history in HR or something? or How did it come about? Good question. So I think it all stems from our vision, and our vision at ClearFit is a world where the right people are in the right jobs, resulting in, in happier employees, Sure. And in more productive organizations, but it all starts with the person. So for us, it's all about that scenario where you have the dreaded Sunday that comes before a Monday where you're not happy with your work and you kind of dread going in. It ruins not only your Monday when you show up, but you also, during your family time, have a little bit of stress. And you know what? Your boss is probably feeling the same way yeah, exactly. on, uh, on Monday when you show up. So. The situation doesn't work overall, and the problem is that it's really inefficient for for people to find work that fits them. I mean, we, we all know the big brands advertising their big jobs, but how do you democratize the right job? How does the right job find you if, it's, if it doesn't have enough money to be in your face? And then, in particular, there's a real passion that I have, as, as, as you noted, for the small business owner. So, sure just like the individual trying to find how they can become the most productive and happy member of society and um, kind of the point of life is to be happy, I think. So Absolutely. Something that works for you during the day and that you're fulfilled in is really key. But the other side as well, imagine if that job is running your own business, being fulfilled at that and creating something that's a productive part of the American society, creating jobs for other people that's a really that's a really difficult thing to do and something that that requires a lot of support. So it's not just something that I dedicate my time to through through mentorship or being an advisor um, for, for for startups, but it's the whole genesis of Clearfit and where it came from, which is helping a part of the market, the small business market that doesn't get a lot of help, mm. helping them really making it super easy. For any size of business to find and hire the employees who succeed, who the ones who will who will really perform at that at that job, and it not having to be something that you have you know, big bucks of the big brand in order to do and in order to attract people. So selfishly, it's pretty fulfilling for me, and I think everybody else here wears that uh, that vision, that mission very very closely, and it's it's very much about the um, the person and then about the entrepreneur as well. How hard is it? Because last week on the show we talked about a study that had just come out and it escapes me at the minute who the study was by. Um, but an employee's, an employer study that said that the average employer thinks that um, college grads in particular are totally inadequately prepared for any form of work. 
they really said that the big problem is not only hiring people, but hiring people who have any skills with regard to how business works whatsoever. Do you find that? Does that make your life much harder? <laughs> the, yeah, it's a funny question because it depends which side you're asking. So, frankly, when we think about college students, college students are pretty homogenous in their skill set. Yeah. What's happening is that employers, and this isn't something that's happened recently, it's been happening forever, employers don't know what they need. Yeah. So often they, they're trying to hire something that we call a, a unicorn. They're looking for an MBA with experience in graphic design who also has a few patents. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to be paid anything. They want to work for free. Um, so it's hard to it's hard to figure out what it is that, that you need. I think a lot of this can be fixed by, I mean, a technique that we use is literally, it's really simple. It's two columns. And this works for, for candidates coming out of college, and it works for employers who are, who are looking to hire people from college. Hmm. For the jobs that you're thinking about a college student for, create a column, what do you need? And then the, the key part here is another column, what do you not need? So actually writing the things down that you don't need more often than not, is you're going to find that it's your perception of what you need that's getting in the way. What you actually need is a lot less. What you really need, though, is the right fit. And when we say right fit, it's the, the, that, that can-do piece and will-do piece together. So it's the, it's the skill side, but the most important stuff and the stuff that you can't train is that personality motivation piece. And that is college um, is the greatest place to find that because you find it for a really good price. Yeah. It just depends how much you want to spend on either getting that, that college grad up to speed or sometimes you can meet that college grad, send them off to Procter & Gamble to get properly trained <laughs> like some companies <laughs> do, and then recruit them back in time. Um, I'd say college is has always been and, and will forever be a great place to find great people, but uh, you have to be pretty certain about what it is that you that you want, not be unrealistic. People are pretty, well, everybody's very multifaceted. When you're looking to fit somebody into a role, how many of those facets of somebody's um, skills, personality, all the rest of the, the things, do you guys take into account? Good question. So the process to apply online to a job, whether it's Monster, Career Builder, Craigslist, takes a candidate roughly 20 minutes. Yep. Our process takes um, between 12 to 14 minutes for the average person to go through, and it happens right from a job posting uh, like Monster, for instance. Okay. But what we're looking at is the resume. Yep. Any specific experiences that the employer needs like custom experiences, like can you drive a bus right. um, or whatever they want. So there's, there's specific experiences, any knowledge that you need, and then there's uh, personality and motivation, which kind of together is cultural fit. So your resume, experience, knowledge, personality, motivation. So most people spend their time on, on the resume. Absolutely. But the real predictor is that we've found the highest, best predictor of future success is that personality and, and motivation by far. So how do, you, how do you determine that without actually looking into somebody's beady blue eyes? 
uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we have, and that's part of the process. So resume is pretty easy. I mean, right. resume is a resume. Sure. But it's a, it's a questionnaire. And the type of questionnaire that we use has been validated and, uh, you know, built so that it's reliable and legally defensible by, you know, uh, PhDs. So it's really, really sophisticated. It looks pretty simple. But it's essentially a, a questionnaire that uh, that asks you behavioral questions. What would you do in this situation? And it's it's not easy to figure out what we're asking. You can't right. really game it very easily. It's asking you behavioral questions, so you know you should be able to answer it pretty honestly. But you don't know whether you're we're asking you about a question about drive or a question about teamwork. Sure. Secondly, our system picks up when people are trying to what we call distort, whether they're creating a, um, a picture that they're manufacturing a picture that either they think the employer wants to see or they themselves are trying to manufacture or, or leave stuff out about how they actually are. I mean, that's nobody's a, perfect. That's an interesting one because we've seen from Facebook posts, and this is probably a big surprise, that people actually lie. <laughs> So, I don't know. Maybe you could be lying right now. <laughs> I could be. So how do you how, how do you pick up a lie? Is that just a very clever psychological trick that you've got built in there that goes eh, 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 flash <laughs> warning? Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, it, it is kind of. There are four different ways we look at consistency. For instance, yeah. as you're responding to the questions, there are certain elements of the tool that. Uh, um, people who are more likely to manipulate, uh, I can't give away any trade secrets, but there are certain things that they do over others. But the point isn't to point out liars. The point is, so we're not doing anyone a great service if we're just saying that we, you know, this person is a liar. And frankly, there's no online questionnaire that can tell you 100% if someone's sure. a liar or not. Unless you ask them, are you a liar? And they respond yes, but then still, I guess you don't know if you think about it. Really. No, what um, <laughs> Actually, that's but, true. Uh, the, way, the, way it works, the way it works is we raise a flag that says, hey, there's some weird stuff going on with this person's results, yeah. which leads us to believe that they may be manipulating their results. So there's not enough bad news here, right? It's sort of like when you're crossing someone and all they talk about is all the amazing stuff they've done. Same sort of thing. And uh, so that's what we do. So employers see that this person's results may be distorted and then we show you how this person, what they, what they look like, how they compare with top performers. And you can, you can actually see it because it's a graphic, graphical representation in Clearfit, just how they're representing themselves. And sometimes you can see the two get to be true right before your eyes. And sometimes yeah. it's... Uh... Okay. Well, has mentoring um, other people always been a passion of yours or it's just been a passion since um, ClearFit's become a huge success and you've had more experience and more time, I guess, maybe, to, um, to do it? Or have you always wanted to help people? When you are a little kid, you were walking old ladies across the street or something. You're a good guy. <laughs> um, uh, interesting question. I, I don't know. Like the, the title mentor was, is one that, uh, that's, that's given to me for the type of work that I do, but I think yeah. it's more about really deeply caring about uh, other people not making the same mistakes 
that I've made or that others have made that I've avoided. So it's really just about sharing experiences as opposed to being, I think that's the way that entrepreneurs interpret information the best as well, is not getting advice. And this is something that the entrepreneurs organization is really good about training into their members. Is it's not uh, in, in YPO as well, Young Presidents Organization. Sure. Yep. It's, yep. it's not about, you know, here's the advice, here's what you should do because I'm whoever. It's here's something that happened to me. You know, you can learn from my experience and codify it for yourself. So really for me, it's, I don't know, I just want to see people succeed in general. <laughs> so Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, I mean, too. it's the same passion that you have. That's exactly where it comes from. So you can call me whatever you want. I mean, I certainly wouldn't call myself a mentor. My, um, but that's, that's, I guess, a mentor, advisor. Just I don't know. I want to do something that helps. And that's, we've also baked that into, uh, into ClearFit. So that, that's fantastic. So what's the biggest issue that faces most small business entrepreneurs? What's their, what's their biggest problem, challenge? Huh. I think that that's uh, pretty apart easy. From raising, may, apart from raising funds, which... So if you have enough difficult. money, yeah, yeah you your number money. one issue... Sorry? If, yeah, assuming that you've got the money, I mean, that's always a mega problem, but assuming you've mm-hmm. got the money, what's now the biggest issue? The biggest issue is always people. And the reason is, if you have the wrong people, it can kill your business. Even if you have a sure. perfect strategy, perfect product perfect Absolutely. everything. You have the wrong people, you're dead. Yep. If you have the uh, you have the right people and your strategy is a little off, your product is a little off, you can but you have really it. great people, yep. Yep. you're gonna be okay. Yeah. Right? So that's the biggest that's the biggest thing. If you have enough money in the bank and hey, sometimes those people can help you get money as well. So sure. I would say the number one thing is people, but it's really complex like the whole process of getting those people is complex because human nature is not helping us. We tend to like people who are like us and people we understand, uh, but that's maybe not the best person to hire. So how do I avoid falling into that trap of hiring people who I like, like someone who either shows up at my store or my restaurant or someone who walks into my office I really get along with them. I can't believe they didn't perform well. Well, there's no correlation there. So how do you get past that that biased behavior? And uh, that's where I spend a lot of my focus. We're all taught that, aren't we? With Well, a lot of us who have done NLP and whatever, we're Mm -hmm. taught to um, communicate with people and, and reflect the person that we're talking to and to develop that affinity because people do like to, um, or do, gravitate towards people that have the same views or appear to have the same views and the same personality that they do. Um, So, and of course, that simply doesn't work when when you're in business. But one of the biggest breakdowns in a lot of companies is simply a clash of personalities. So you can't go too far off base, can you? (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes when you have two people who are the same, it's just as bad as a clash of personalities. At least yeah. a clash of personalities, you you know what you're getting into and there's a complementary cycle. I, I run into a lot of founders. You have one or the other. Um, a lot of startups, they have a technical founder and they have a, a business founder, yeah. quote unquote. Or 
and, and, and so the technical person hires technical people and, and the business person hires, hires the business people. The, uh, there's a real challenge with business that businesses have when they have two, two business founders is they find it difficult sometimes to hire the right technical person because the behavior that a, that a great technical person exhibits sometimes don't make sense to them. Um, <laughs> same goes... Sure. Uh, the same goes for the business side, where your technical person and you're trying to hire a business person, not quite sure how to do that, and that's where that's where you start looking for for help. Uh, if, if you don't, if you're not aware of your limitations, that's where the real challenge is. If you think you're amazing at someone at something, uh, that's that's the real challenge. If you're aware that you need some help, then that's great because you can find help, but. Uh, um, so, so, it's not human nature. So if I hire somebody today, what's uh-huh. the first what's the first sign that this isn't working? If you hire them today, yeah, as opposed a, what, to what's the what's the first the sign that process? I get? No, after that, I've, I've interviewed them and mm-hmm. I've hired them. They've started. What's the first sign that uh-uh, this isn't going to work? <laughs> Could be anything. It's often just gut feel. It's sort of like walking into a forest and you don't hear the sound of any birds. You know something's up. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's like. Uh, there's an expression with someone who shows up to the job interview. They have this nice tidy suitcase. When you hire them, they bring in this huge trunk. And that starts to happen. They have, right. a, and especially for sales, they start to have a, a routine for these different interviews that they're doing. And then when they show up to the real world at your workplace, they don't, have that same great interviewing routine to to rely on. They actually have to perform. So sometimes, if it's a salesperson, as an example, you'll see the uh, sometimes someone's being a little bit of a blowhard or pretending they know everything. That could be a bad indication. Um, another indication could be that they just don't they just don't perform and they always have an excuse. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it can manifest in a bunch of different ways, but usually insecurities. They stem from they stem from the person though they they wouldn't stem from necessarily from past experience. We did a lot of work with pharmaceutical companies, and the candidates with the with the greatest depth of experience sometimes they were the worst performers when compared to people with no experience. And it yeah. took them. So you were describing a person showing up at work. Is that, like, is when that do you because know they're, they're bad? Is that because they're set in their ways? That's because they're traditionally used to doing things and they think that because they've always done them that way that's the best way to do them and that a bit is that like when when things get tough i think people resort to methods techniques that have been useful to them in the past yeah uh but in general it's really the behavior beneath that so if you're not a let's say you're not a, a a really assertive person no matter what the amount of assertiveness training i give you it's probably going to be bad return on investment compared with having a person who's actually assertive, as an example. Right. So yeah. I can tell you that I'm assertive, and I can show up to an interview as that type of person, and or at least fake it. But when I show up at work, those behaviors are really hard to change. Part of that is, um, it, and the vast majority of that is just just who I am. And in some in some roles, like that pharmaceutical one I was mentioning, pharmaceutical sales sometimes takes three years to figure out whether you've got a bad performer on your hand and a, wow. 
the cost of that is around a million dollars for each of those hires. So it's sometimes it's really hard to figure out whether you've got a bad egg in your hands, and so it's really costly. Okay, well, you sort of half addressed my last question. Um, a lot of people hire staff based almost solely on their resume, and that always, mm-hmm. to me, seems like it's fraught with danger. And people also hire people based on the belief that they can sort of change them and mould them to fit the desired role. And, mm-hmm. you know, I subscribe to the theory that the only way to change people <laughs> is to actually change the people. Um, so what what percentage of the selection criteria should be really based on resume? Because res- resumes are so full of bullshit, aren't they? And <laughs> Yep. And you know, I can get a hundred people to ring you this afternoon and tell you how wonderful I am, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a mass murderer, you know, deep down. <laughs> so how do, deep how down. Do you address that? <laughs> You're good at concealing it. Um, <laughs> the yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. So the thing you don't give in on. Imagine this axis where one of these one of the arms of the axis is. Um, these, these axes. One axis is um, personality and motivation, yep. and then the other axis is experience and, and knowledge. Yep. And your ideal person is up in the upper right-hand corner, and they have both. Right. The one that you give in on is 100% the one you give in on is the experience and, and knowledge, because that stuff can be trained. The yep. one that you really can't give in on is the personality, motivation, the cultural fit, who that person is. It doesn't matter how amazing they are at their role, Yep. You nailed it. You can't. The only way to change that who someone is is to <laughs> change, change that who the someone is. Yeah, exactly. Who the someone is. You. It's exactly what it is. That's yep. exactly. That's the truth. Yeah. Ben Baldwin, thank you very much for all the great work you do with entrepreneurs. I'm really, I I, I love that, and I, I'm always saying that entrepreneurs have got to really give back. And uh, congratulations on the huge success with Clearfit. It, it's a great example. Ben's a great example of um, what goes around comes around. You give, you'll get. You don't, somewhere somewhere along the line, it'll bite you. So if you'd like to know more about Ben and ClearFit, go to clearfit.com, simple, C-L-E-A-R-F-I-T.com. This is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I will be back with you in just a moment. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at bobpritchard.com that's bob at bobpritchard.com now back to the show welcome back to the bob pritchard straight talking absolutely no bullshit business show and we're coming to you this week from the wonderful city of los angeles this is the most happening place on the planet i love it and this is the segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners all around the world And it's incredible to me that despite the different cultures, all of the emails are applicable to almost 
every business everywhere. And uh, I love it. My first email today is from Alan Marshall of Selcom. I guess that's how you say it, in England. Alan writes, Dear Bob, I picked up a copy of your book. Well, thank you. And I'm really enjoying it. Of course. <laughs> there is a different language used in marketing, and I want to make sure I really get what you're talking about. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you referred to above-the-line advertising. What exactly does that mean? Well, thanks for the compliments, Alan. I appreciate it. Um, in business communications, um, above the line, through the line, and below the line are advertising techniques. Each of them's an advertising technique. And uh, above the line is where you target to a mass audience through mass media such as TV, radio, um, movies, print, web banners, search engines, etc. It's usually used for brand awareness, which these days is effectively useless. Um, below the line, it's a non-media communication such as um, direct mail or email, printed media. It's an incentive to purchase and drive sales, which I believe is critically important. And through the line is a strategy that uses both above the line and below the line Strategy, so it sort of combines them both. Alan, I hope that helps. I hope that explains what it is. Since you already have a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and I appreciate that you do, um, we'll send you a copy of Marketing Magic, which is a book I wrote um, probably, I don't know, five years ago, maybe less, with um, Brian Tracy, John uh, J. Conrad Levison, Robert Bly, and a couple of others, and I hope that you enjoy it. It's a really good book. A lot of people have read it and um, have paid us heaps of compliments on it, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, we here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, we're all about helping small businesses to become more successful and more profitable. So if you've got a question, please send it to us. Or if you have somebody you'd like us to interview on the radio, send us that too. Or you've got a particular topic you'd like addressed, let me know. And don't forget to go to my website, bobpritchard.com. You can listen to every one of the previous 100 and whatever it is, four years of shows. And you can listen to the shows and you can listen to all the great interviews, over 180 interviews, which uh, I'm sure you'll find interesting. I thought that this week I'd include a segment on great business quotes. Now, I did this um, on one of my early shows over three years ago and it was a success. So I thought that um, I'd give it another go. I'll kick off with a few of my favourites. And I'd love you to send me some of yours. That'd be great. And it doesn't have to be about business. Just something that strikes a chord with you. And if I read them on air, we will definitely send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Marketing. So here we go with one of my all-time favorite quotes. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll 
understand how critical I believe customer service is. This is by Henry Ford. A business absolutely devoted to service will not only will only have one worry when it comes to profits. They will be embarrassingly large. Thomas Jefferson said, Every generation needs a new revolution. That revolution, guys, is certainly now and it's happening everywhere in all businesses. Peter Drucker, one of business's wisest men, said the greatest danger in times of business turbulence is not the turbulence, it is to act with yesterday's logic. Another gem is a quote from George Bernard Shaw, progress is impossible without change. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. And in the same vein, J. Paul Getty said, in times of rapid change in business, experience could be your worst enemy. It's amazing how many people you meet that um, just can't change, just are wrapped in the old way of doing things and that's the way it is. Bloody frustrating and you know that they're going to lose. Janet Eden of Woodland Hills, which is just around the corner from where I live, sent me the following quote by William Bocher. If your business keeps you so busy that you have no time for anything else, there is something seriously wrong either with you or your business. Janet, I love it. So true. You've got to balance your business and social life or both will suffer. Um, If you're a regular listener to the show and you're benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send me your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, uh, LinkedIn. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're pleased to be bringing you the show since 2011. It's a heap of fun. I really enjoy it. And I'll be back with you the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world to address the critical issues that affect small business everywhere. Thanks for listening to Bob Pritchard. No bullshit business radio show for entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard. I hope you join us again next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.